With all the chatter around the Hornets, D. Davis might not be the starting quarterback next year for Alabama State. Oh yeah, this Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one. Daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on the journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. It just means it's time to follow me on Twitter, at South Exclusive. Exclusives. You see it right there at the bottom of the screen. But if you don't, that means you're on the audio side of things. And thank you for that. Just don't forget the S on the end of South Exclusives. We wrap up today's episode with a documentary review talking about J.R. Smith, because I thought this was an interesting documentary that broke down not only J.R. in great detail, but then the NCAA, not the NCAA, but the North Carolina A&T golf team in great detail, separate from J.R. Smith. We're going to open up talking about Alabama State and their offense, first starting about the quarterback position, and then their starting running back has entered the transfer portal. I'm going to start off with D. Davis because it seems like he might not be the quarterback going forward for the Hornets. And this is not me saying that he is not. It's just that I personally thought that this was his job. I personally, and it does seem like it was his job to lose, But from the things that I'm hearing, it seems like he might be on the way to losing it or deserving to lose it. We don't know what Coach Robinson is going to do. This is not inside information from how the Alabama State Hornets coaching staff is viewing it. But I'll tell the truth. I didn't look deeply into Alabama State last year. I always thought that D. Davis had a solid season. I just kind of surface level whenever I seen him. I never say, ugh, that's I'm not I'm not liking what I see. The stats weren't there, though. The stats weren't there, but the chatter was. So I had to go back and look. Like, was my eye, were my eyes deceiving me? Was there something that I was missing? And there was. I went back and looked at the stats to see exactly why what I felt, not confidently felt, but loosely felt, but felt nonetheless, why what I felt didn't match up with any of the things I was hearing about D. Davis's performance. So let's look at his stats from last year. And I realized why I felt the way I did, because I watched the one game I watched in detail, like really checked out heavily, was that first game versus Howard. And that first game versus Howard just so happened to be his second best game of the season, his second most passing yards of the season, his second most total yards of the season. The rest of the year was a 170 here, a 170 there, a 200 total yard game here. Then he exploded in the last game versus UAPB, had over 200 yards. The only time he did that, all season 272 yards he had more yards passing in that game than he had yards total the whole season before not totals but most yard he had more yards passing in the UAPB game than any other game total that's running and passing combined he never hit 272 total yards in a, in a game so 
I'm like, oh, they're winning, but he's not doing too much. The stats aren't there. So while their success was apparent, you know, they went four and four in the conference, but they were a team that was always competing. And when you look at who they lost to, it's a situation where, okay, you 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 might not be the premier team. You might not be one of the top two teams in the conference, but you are a team that people need to look out for. So because of their success in the game, I saw shaping my viewpoint of D. Davis. I'm thinking D. Davis had a solid season, but he didn't. So now once I look at these stats and now I go back to hearing how people are talking, saying he's struggling to get through the reads, saying that when he's in the pocket, he's just not effective, but he does do a good job of scrambling and throwing when he out when he's outside of the pocket. When I start hearing these things and I combine them with what I've now looked into a little bit deeper than I had when the season was going. And now I combine that with what I'm hearing at the spring game. See, I was in the spaces with HBCU Nightly, I think a couple of days ago. And somebody who I don't know who said it, like not only do I not know the person, I'm not sure who said it, period, basically said they had sources. Once again, this is, this could be anybody who said it. it could be somebody who doesn't have sources, but... um. Somebody said they have sources close to Alabama State that said, don't be surprised if D. D Davis is not the starter. Well, what's going on in the spring game when he could maybe lose his spot or get a, a firmer grip on his spot? According to Montgomery advisor, he struggled to throw the ball all first half. According to the Montgomery advisor, after that first um, scoring drive they led, pooey after that. According to the Montgomery advisor, when the Quillette came in the game, the passing game opened up. See, that's the thing. If we're going to talk about this guy not being the starting quarterback, who is? This isn't a position where I think you can just say this guy might not be it and we're going to leave it open-ended. I don't, I don't think that's a good way to, to put out the show. Maybe it's Let, a guy who looked really good, had a couple deep balls, let back-to-back -back scoring drives, opened up the passing game. That's not necessary for what they want out of their quarterback position, but it will always be welcomed. You will always welcome a quarterback who can open up your passing game. See, Coach Eddie Robinson Jr., no relation to Eddie Robinson of Grambling, of course, once again, he said, I don't really care to be a pass-heavy team, but he did say the thing that he wanted to work on coming out of the spring was the passing game. But it's not about passing 30, 40, 50 times a game. It's not about airing it out to that degree. It's about running the football and being efficient. Now, I think that efficiency is way easier to replace than playmaking. Now, that does not mean that either one is going to be an easy task in the slightest. But what it does mean is that if you need a guy who just is going to make the right decisions, a guy who maybe is a little bit more safe, if you're going to need a guy who, instead of throwing 30 yards down the field, you throw a seven-yard pass that leads to a 30-yard completion. If that's what you're looking for, I think that's a little bit easier to replace than a guy who's going to carry your offense. And that all goes back to replacing D. Davis. They don't need your playmaking. They don't need your, your ability to run and scramble out of the pocket and make plays on the run. They might just need that guy who's going to throw the slant with the right timing. The guy who is ready to hand off the ball, excuse me, but a guy who is ready to hand off the ball and then just do his job. So Let might be the next quarterback, might be Davis. I only put this out here not to say who is going to be, but to say that we need to pay extreme attention to what happens in Alabama State during the summer and the fall and pay attention to the chatter that we're hearing 
during this time span. Because whether it's Lett or if it's Davis, Ja'Cory Merritt is not going to be next to him. The starting running back has entered the transfer portal. That may or may not put a little bit more pressure on the quarterback. We'll see with how they replace Merritt. But let's break down his departure and why I really don't think it's that big of a loss as we go forward with Locked on HBCU. Before we get into that, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the number one protein bar on the market, bar none. And I've had them all. I've had them all. And I've had a lot of protein bars that are good for you. I've had a lot of candy bars that taste good for you. But rarely have I had one that actually meets in the middle. And every single time that rare occasion happened, we were talking about a Built Bar, whether it was raspberry, whether it was a s'mores Built Puff, whether it was cookies and cream, whether it was blueberry muffin Built Bar, whether it was any of these Built Bars, the rare occurrence was always that. It's the best of both worlds. It meets in the middle. It's good for you. It tastes good. Come together and have something that you can eat for a snack or before you go into work out. I love Built Bar. I'm always on Built.com trying to see when they're going to drop a new flavor. And I heard they're actually dropping a new flavor tomorrow. April 22nd. Yes, tomorrow's April 22nd. I heard they're going to be dropping a new flavor on Built.com. You just have to go there. This one won't be in Walmart or Sam's Club where you could go right now as you're listening to me to get a 4 or a 13 pack. You have to go to Built.com slash locked on to get this new flavor. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your offer. Now, as we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. This is our last episode before we go heavy, heavy, heavy into draft talk next week. Might not even talk about anything else. Might only be talking about the draft next week. But here's the question for segment number two. How will Alabama State survive the loss of Ja'Cory Merritt? Because Merritt has just entered the transfer portal, and that was their starting running back, the guy they probably banked on being the starting running back coming into this year. So now you're losing a player who is one of your 22 starters on offense and defense. How do you survive this loss? Well, to me, I'll be honest with you, I think it's a medium-sized loss at best. I know how I detailed it might make it seem like a big loss because nobody wants to lose their starting running back. That might always feel like a big time loss. But the reason I lessen it is because they had a terrible running game last year. They were the 11th best running team in the SWAC. I think the more accurate way to describe it is they were the second worst. See, when you when you change the best to worst, it, it makes everything sound a whole lot different. 11th best, second worst. They were terrible. They were a terrible running game last year. And maybe that's not all on Ja'Cory Merritt. I don't know. But what I am saying is that I don't think his production itself is going to be difficult to replace. See, big loss is losing your starting running back. Small loss is losing your starting running back when your running game wasn't good. The only thing that makes this medium is the pressure to actually replace him. But not the, not, not actually replace him with a body. But what he did, and I'm not in the business of violating players on camera. I'm not I'm not in the business of that. So I'm not going to speak on Ja'Cory Merritt, the player himself. Like I said, if I didn't watch D. Davis enough to break him down, I didn't watch him closely enough, you know I didn't watch it with Merritt. You know I didn't, but I will say that he had one of his better games against Howard. I will say that. I don't know what it was about Alabama State. Maybe it was the new coach and everything. Maybe it was the Swipe Meak Challenge, but they had a good game offensively that day. 
But I didn't, I'm not going to sit here and act like I have enough information to just break down everything I've seen from Ja'Cory Merritt. But what I will say is that his 467 yards, his 3.9 yards per carry, I don't think are going to be difficult to replace. The production itself, I don't think is going to be difficult. I don't think it's going to be hard for Alabama State to be the second worst running team in the SWAC again. When you really think about it that way, what are we really losing here on the field? What are we losing? And his total is heavily Slighted by the fact that he had 140 games against PV, 140 yards, excuse me, against PV. This was not a highly productive running game. So excuse me if I'm not overly concerned about losing the starting running back. I think the next guy can give me 500. But the question is, how do you survive it? Because you, you're probably still going to need a running game. You survive it with defense. Because I don't know who they're going to replace him with. I don't know if they're going to be better as a running team. I, I don't know. I really don't. You would hope they are because that's going to be the main source of their offense. According to Coach Robinson, they want to be a run-heavy team. But even if they don't do it well, that defense, from everything I hear, is exactly what the defense was last year. Last year, they were good enough to dominate on defense and keep you in games. This year, they're going to have to be good enough on defense to dominate and keep you in games. When you look at what they were able to do last year defensively, they only allowed 21 points in four games. One was to Jackson State. One was to UCLA. Right? So the UCLA one almost shouldn't even count. But if you can put that type of performance out there again, you'll be just like you were last year in every single game. Now, the problem is you don't want to just be in every single game. You don't want to be four and four. You want to be one of the better teams. You want to be one of the best teams. And you're in a conference with Jackson State and FAMU. And just being a defensive team might not let you knock off Jackson State and FAMU. You might need to pull that extra. And I know your defense is good, but when you're a strictly defensive team, you have to be a certain level of impactful to compete with the top-tier teams. And that's something they couldn't do last year. When you look at who they lost to last year within the conference, they lost to PV a team that came down to the wire and almost made it to the SWAC championship. They lost to Jackson State, the SWAC champions. They lost to FAMU, the second best team in the SWAC. Then they lost to UAPB, and nah, I don't know what to say about that one. They, they just lost to UAPB. Last game of the season, maybe they gave up. Man, I don't even know what to say about that. But they have enough firepower to keep you in games. But at what point is that not enough? Because you look at the teams I named outside of UAPB, PV, near SWAC West champions. You're looking at Texas, or excuse me, not Texas Southern. You're looking at, at FAMU, second best team. They weren't near because they lost to Jackson State, but one of the better teams and beat everybody else. Jackson State beat everybody else. They went four and four. That defense was good enough to have you beat some other teams, but when it came to the guys who were right there, peak competition, high level competition. Being a defensively on, or defensive only team was not enough to cut it. What makes me think it will be this year? Even with all the firepower, even with the greatness that the defense is, I'm hearing all about them. Even with that, wasn't enough last year, likely won't be enough this year. You're going to have to either add some offensive firepower with the passing game or the running game. You can survive. You can survive the loss of Ja'Cory Merritt with a strong defense, a dominant defense. But if you want to flourish despite the departure of Ja'Cory Merritt, going to have to get something a lot more than just a defensive squad to put on the field. Now, going forward, I want to switch sports and also just kind of switch genres. 
We're not talking about football. We're not talking about X's and O's. We're going to talk about this, uh, this J.R. Smith documentary. And I thought it was amazing how it framed both Smith and the NC. I keep want to say NCAA because I want to say NCAT, but North Carolina A&T golf team as absolute stars. Let's break down this four-part documentary as we wrap up today's episode of Locked on HBCU. And as we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day and making it all the way to segment three. I thank you two times for that. And J.R. Smith's documentary did a great job a great job, I'd even say phenomenal job, of setting J.R. Smith himself and the North Carolina A&T men's golf team as absolute stars. And I got it right this time. Got it right this time. But when it comes to actual star power, we know who outweighs the other. The Aggies golf team is not having a documentary if J.R. Smith is not a part of that documentary. Let's just, let's just be honest. Let's just be real. That's not a situation that's going to happen with Amazon Prime. But when I clicked on this this documentary, I didn't know what to look for. I didn't know what I was expecting because I like J.R. Smith personally. Like I, I like him as a player. I thought he was a, I thought he was a interesting player and somebody who I would watch a short documentary about. And this was only a two hour documentary for 30 minute episodes. So I would have watched this even if he didn't go to North Carolina A&T. And I'm a little bit late, so I'm going to say this spoiler ahead. If you want to watch the documentary, You'll make me sad, but I guess you can turn me off. <laughs> but no, on a serious note, I'm going to spoil some things, but it's a documentary been out for two weeks. You, you'll go check it out. Excuse me again. I'm sorry. So you're looking at J.R. Smith as the basketball player who is the focal point of a documentary. That's what I expected. But when I get to episode two and I realize that episode is all about the golf team and not Oh, North Carolina A&T founded their golf team here. And this is the places they go. No, we're focusing on players in the lives that they have. I was able to see that one of the, the athletes is a rapper. I was able to see Diego. I feel like Diego and Xavier were the two stars of the show. From my personal opinion, that was, that was the two players who I felt like they really honed in on. And they really made it seem like Diego has a future in this. But that was episode three. There's only four parts. I'm, I'm, I'm pat myself on the back. Pat myself on the back because I'm I'm surprised I even remembered that. But overall, Diego and Xavier were the two stars. But I was able to see one of the athletes was rapping in the dorm room. I was able to see one of my favorite moments was when Xavier went to the barber shop, and the barber was like, "Oh, I ain't know North Carolina A and T had a had a had a golf team." And I mean, he very well could be telling the truth, but at the same time, I'm like, "Man, why do you think all these cameras here in your shop? It's just you and him." It's just you and Buddy ain't what you they ain't, they ain't prep you first. You ain't know there was no golf team. You know what the documentary was about. Come on, bro. Cause not like J.R. Smith was there. Like if J.R. Smith was there and he was he was cutting J.R. Smith's hair, and he told you he was on the golf team. I could see how you blow. Like, I ain't even know. This this is come on, bro. Xavier in your chair. But anywho, it was great because the the golf team is new enough and probably not talked about enough. To where you could be in Greensboro and not know that they had a golf team. So that was that was interesting to me. But overall, I, I, I loved how they highlighted each guy. I loved how they highlighted the potential. I loved the certain things that they did as far as 
They didn't shy away from negativities. It was a great light. They talked about North Carolina A&T history. They talked about North Carolina A&T's academics because J.R. Smith was an academic, you know, he was an, he was an academic scholar, but he was a student. I wasn't a student that long ago. Why, why couldn't I remember what we were called just a couple years prior to this? It was just three years ago for me, but he was a, he was a student and they showed the academic process. And that was something I wanted to see because I remember when he announced he had a 4.0, it was a big deal. It was a big deal when he announced that. It was a big deal in the show. It felt it felt like it was like, oh, man, it was like the culmination of everything he had worked for. All of the times when he was called stupid and all of the things with you have to go watch it because I don't want to tell you everything. But it was a great moment. It felt like a final triumph. Right? He calling his mom, calling his dad. I felt it. I felt like he called me. When you look at but excuse me, sorry. Then that graduation, you see Diego. He's able to meet with his parents. For the first time in five years, basically since he went to school, it was the first time he was able to see his whole family. These were great moments. It highlighted who these players were. And I thought the best part about it was once they got to the negativities, it wasn't just, hey, you know, North Carolina A&T ain't doing this. All right, cue to, cue to the credits. No, it was North Carolina A&T isn't doing this. That's a problem. JR like, no, nah, this isn't, we ain't got funding. We're going to go ahead and get y'all basically fitted and sponsored, essentially, by this one company that's a big deal. They were originally just going to sponsor JR, but then the owner was like, you know what, why, why won't we just sponsor all of North Carolina A&T? To me, this was a great moment. Poor funding. Well, we're going to make sure everybody's set up. Custom golf balls, custom uh, fits, custom everything. You get to go out here and you get to see basically almost like a training facility. This was a situation where you see a problem, you fix it. They thought the coaching was poor. You see a problem, you fix it. You go talk to them and have a meeting. Now, of course, it's not one meeting and it's over. But you didn't just sit there idly and just say, oh, there's problems here. You address the issue and then you address the issue. And that was one of my favorite parts because too often we just sit here and say, oh, there's issues. All right. But what are we really doing about it? J.R. Smith went in there and he used his, I guess if you want to call it privilege, he used his celebrity status, right? He used the fact that people want to partner with him to benefit North Carolina a &T. He used the fact that he's 30-something years old with a group of kids to say, you know what? This isn't right how they're doing you. They're not coaching you properly. We need to go in and talk. He was able to spur change. He was able to move forward. And then also he didn't just seem like J.R. Smith all the way up here and then these other guys down there. He felt like a peer. They called him the rich stepdad. They called him all these things. He out here playing basketball with them. He's out here just kicking it with them, eating lunch with them. This was what I wanted to see. I wanted to see J.R. Smith ingrained in North Carolina A&T culture. I wanted to see him ingrained with the students, with the student athletes. I wanted to see all of these things that he was doing on campus. I wanted to see real life of J.R. Smith, the student. If I, I told you I didn't know what to expect, but if there was one thing I could ask for, that's what it would have been. Now, going forward, well, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day. Every day, of course. Going forward, next week, we're heavy into the draft. And I'm kicking off tomorrow or Monday's episode, I should say, with how many HBCU players I think are getting drafted. I'm going to break down my list, have some possibles, have some people I really do think are going to get drafted. And I'll be back with those guys on Monday.
So you got to wait. Make us your first listen Monday, too. But in the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care. Stay blessed. Peace.